You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, White Sox fans, can you believe it? It is another Southside Sox on the Farm podcast. I know you get out of the habit of listening because, you know, uh, the host. Uh, oh, yeah, that's me, Brett Palantini. I uh, got a little got a little lazy, didn't, didn't do as many as we did last year. I mean, the system didn't exactly uh, conspire to become intriguing enough, aside from some star players within the system got moved up just like last year. Uh, the teams ended up sort of as bad as they I guess they made slight improvement from a year ago and that's that's never a lot of fun you want to talk about teams that are you know one day maybe Darren will get to talk about like a Tampa Bay system wouldn't that be exciting hey listen Darren Black is with me that's the other guy who's here with me hey Darren Black our main uh miners uh writer uh doing tireless amount of work uh, all season long and he's still doing tireless work doing uh, end of season reviews uh, on site written and uh, these accompanying podcasts. So today mm-hmm. we have moved on to the Canapolis Cannonballers and absolutely not. If you think like somehow we are just recording these one after another and just not taking like 24 hours between to study up, uh, to review stats, to look at all the metrics, to bring an incredibly thoughtful podcast to you, boy, you are not being fair to us. Of course we're doing that. We would never record these just back-to-back. Are you kidding me? Get out. <laughs> Aaron just happens to be wearing the same Arizona hat. Come on, it just yeah, happens that way. Hat. He rolls a dice, he picks a hat. It's just dice came up twice in a row. All right, Darren, we are talking about the Canapolis Cannonballers. And wow, were they bad last year. This year, not quite as bad but bad uh first half finished fifth out of six teams uh 26 and 40 21 games out of playoff contention or out of first place 
Second half, big improvement, nearly a 500 team. Probably for a brief time, they might have even been contending for a second half title. 32 and 34, fourth out of six teams, 10 games behind. Darren, overall, that means they were 58 and 74. Uh, That would be fourth in their division. 30 games out, negative 61 run differential. And these numbers all sound terrible, Darren. I could see you blanching and scared. You're sweating a little bit. But (laughs) we know last year how much worse they were. I mean, triple figure run differential negatives. It was horrifying uh within their uh league whether they're sally i don't know whatever they are um carolina uh ninth out of 12 uh if you look at all of low minors the white Sox affiliate in canapolis would have been 24th out of 30 teams so as much as this seems like an improvement and i mean last year was like 29th or third i think they were 30th out of 30 it was really really bad there might have been one team in one of the leagues there was like one team that was actually somehow worse than Canapolis. But uh, so, yes, they've moved up the ladder about maybe five, six spots. I guess that's progress. Uh, I don't know. When the season started, Darren, it seemed like this was the Canapolis we were promised uh, with all the hype in 2021. And then still they could not really manage to sort of run with that great fortune. Uh, but Darren, one guy that did run with incredibly good fortune. A guy who just sort of tinkered around in Arizona, teases a little bit, seemed promising, but then it's like, well, who knows? It's the White Sox drafting, so Lord knows the guy's got to just torpedo himself. Is Colson Montgomery. Uh, my yeah, goodness, man. the proud headliner even now of Project Birmingham, um, a guy who has launched himself uh, well up the White Sox prospect charts. If he wasn't already number one to begin the season, he certainly is now and has cracked and cracked, made a deep dent into the major leagues, top 100 prospects. Uh, Colson had probably as good a season as you could hope, probably better. Yeah. Um, I mean, the number one thing about him is that he just put together, um, you know, just at bats uh, as a 20 year old that <clears throat> you wish that you would see out of these, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, 26, 27 year old White Sox, uh, yeah. basically. Um, the play discipline was fantastic. Um, strictly speaking, in Canapolis, that was his best stint. Uh, 45 games, 152 WRC plus. Um, the walk rate looks great, obviously. Um, and this is where he started his uh, <laughs> two month long on base streak yeah. um, that he went through this year. Um, he was promoted to Winston-Salem in the middle of it um, and did get promoted after uh, after that, uh, again, to Project Birmingham. So three teams this year. Um, but this is where it all started. Um, the, <clears throat> the thing to note about him, though, is um, as the season did go on, he did, his season did decline. Mm-hmm. Um, you did see some pow- – uh, not loss of power, but um, just kind of like loss of bad speed in general. Um from the beginning of the year, but obviously he came from high school last year. uh, So he was literally playing the most baseball in a season that he's ever played. Uh, So if, you know, the end of the last month of the year, you're going to struggle, fine, whatever. Um, Now he just knows what to do over the off season, uh, knows what to do to prepare for a season like that. And um, obviously if he, that month rolls over into next month, it'll be concerning. Uh, but everything else about him is why he's now a top, at least a top 100 prospect in all major outlets, including Southside Sox, um, and top 50 in a couple others. So he he 
set kind of the minor league baseball, I don't know, followers by storm with this two month on base streak. I, I don't know how how many times I can say that and not be wildly impressed that mm-hmm. that is an actual thing that happened. Yeah. Um, obviously, he you want to see a bit more power out of him. You want to see a bit more uh, or a bit better defense out of him. But um, always come back to he's twenty. Uh, he's not going to be in the majors next year um, and just kind of see him progress because the floor where he's at right now looks fantastic. And that's why he's a top under prospect because he's going to get better or, or hopefully yeah. uh, will get better. But he, everything about him screams something that he's going to be an everyday ball player, no matter the position, wherever he goes um, at some point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The um, the flip side of the Montgomery story may be, and I don't think it's exactly two sides of the same coin, and this is really tricky to talk about. And again, we're going to have an off-season podcast really drilling down a little bit into Project Birmingham because I personally am a little perplexed at at the way it actually played out and what I anticipated it to be. But anyhow, we're not going to get ahead of ourselves there. As much as we, we will have plenty of time to chat about it during the Canapolis Cannonballers podcast, because Lord knows how much time can you spend talking about the Canapolis Cannonballers. But given that these guys have danced um, a number of different levels, it's tricky, but we're, I'm just sort of going with you know where you stuck them in your write-ups. So the flip side, I guess, and it's the guy who's drafted right behind him uh, a year ago, and that's Wes Kath, who had a considerably more challenging uh, a season really on all fronts. Yeah. So um, obviously until, you know, that project started in Birmingham, he was still there in the ACL. Um, so, or not the ACL in Canapolis. Mm-hmm. So you kind of see the, you know, big difference between the two. Um, one was putting together, you know, walking every game or getting a hit every game. And another guy when West Cath was striking out in a third of his plate appearances. So that's kind of, the two divergent paths of them. One really needs to work on plate discipline. One's got the plate discipline, but you want to kind of improve the, um, the uh, uh, hit quality uh, mm-hmm. uh, of what he's doing out there. Um, Kath is actually supposed to be a better power hitter than what he showed. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't, he didn't really get it. The ISO was better than Colson's uh, a little bit. Um, and but um, he just swung and missed uh, too often. Mm-hmm. Um, he pulled the ball a good amount, didn't really hit grounders that many times. Um, he did kind of get under a lot of pitches. Uh, if you look at his infield fly ball rate, uh, it's 27% of his fly ball stayed in the infield. So, you know, just a little over a quarter. So even so, if you put that together with striking out a third of the time, like that's not great at bats mm-hmm. um, for a lot of what he was doing over uh, 99 games. Um, So he has clear things he needs to improve on just in his swing mechanics Mm -hmm. um, and off and also the defense as well uh, at third Um, though, moving a guy from third to somewhere else is not, you know, as difficult as moving someone from first uh, because of their bat (laughs) to somewhere else. So he's at least in a better (laughs) spot in that regard. Um, but yeah, um, next year, want to see the power. You want to see the K rate go down um, even more. Um, that's pretty pretty much um, what you want to see from him. Um, he got on base a lot. That was his calling card. Yeah. Struggled in a lot of areas. 
See, we can't just pin Darren down to just talking about the minor league system. He is going to give you major league analysis, even when he's talking about the Canapolis <laughs> Cannonballers. See, talking about how it's hard to move guys from first base to other plots on the field. Hey, White Sox, maybe in 2023, you don't want to do that so much, but something tells me you're still going to do it. Poor Andrew Vaughn is maybe never going to get a pure season playing where he should be playing. Anyhow, that's another podcast, uh, and it's not one called On the Farm, Darren. Now, follow up on Kath. He's a guy the White Sox made pretty clear if Montgomery wasn't available, they were willing to pull the trigger on him as a first-rounder. Um, they sort of were, you know, like, uh, uh, had a little bromance going, even starting in Arizona. They're sort of these, this, these one, two kids. They sort of play similar enough sort of positions They're on the left side of the infield, uh, similar enough ages. I mean, this is a guy who isn't going to be dinged because he didn't take off into the stratosphere like Montgomery, but certainly this year was a disappointment. Uh, by no means, given it's just a first full professional season, you can be like, oh, well, man, this guy's a bust. But, I mean, there is stuff you do need to see from him next year. What's maybe the most important thing, probably something you already just ran through, but what's the most important thing you're going to be looking for from him in 2023 to see, okay, there's progress being made? Yeah, uh, I mean, if if he keeps – I'm not expecting the strikeout rate to, you know, fall to 15%, mm-hmm. something like that, to cut it in half. Um, but the, it, if, if it does, you know, fall a little bit, but the power goes up a lot, the power supplements the strikeouts mm-hmm. uh, to go along with his walks, then mm-hmm. that's great. So yeah. I want him to, I want him to have a 200 ISO year. Um, and if he doesn't, then I want to see the strikeouts fall a lot. Yeah. Um, like in the eight, 9% ratio yeah. Uh, yeah. to be closer uh, to, um, another guy in the system we'll talk about shortly, Wilford Barris, kind of yeah. kind of that deal. Yeah. Um, but power that's was one of his big things coming up, mm-hmm. um, and I want to see that. Yeah. Because uh, he obviously is a guy that's going to swing and miss a lot, regardless. Yeah. Um, so need to see some power. Yeah, it's got to be one or the other. I mean, it's like a slide rule thing where it's like, okay, if you aren't giving us the power, I mean, okay, then get on base more or, or put the ball in play more. Uh, makes sense. That makes plenty of sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you previewed it there, uh, Darren. Let's get back into the good news. And the good news is Wilfred Veras, a guy who seems like he can hit, <laughs> uh, a guy who went to Project Birmingham again, not to, not to steal thunder from our Birmingham podcast to come, uh, at an undisclosed uh, date in the future as soon as maybe just a couple of days from now. Uh, but. Um, this is a guy who maybe showed out as well as anyone for a guy who sort of got aggressively promoted again, sneak preview to a future podcast, uh, to Birmingham. He sort of held up. Okay. I mean, that's gotta be a very encouraging sign. I mean, this guy, I mean, not to simplify it, you're the expert, but this guy can hit. Yeah. And what he does do that West calf doesn't is hit for power. Uh, his ISO was 188 in Kannapolis. Uh, that's why, uh, you know, a lot of people started, uh, looking at him more and more and some even looking at him more than West Cath in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he got to Birmingham, like why he did so well is because he hit three homers in 12 games. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, hitting, hitting a homer every four games is pretty good. Um, the, the flip side of that is that he, though he does strike out less than West Cath, it's still high twenties. Um, it's 27% strikeout rate in Kannapolis, uh, and he also walks about half as much as West Cath. So if you look at their, uh, you know, standardized um, 
kind of offensive production, WRC plus, it's neck and neck. Cath's yeah. 109, Ferris is 110 because Ferris hit more homers and West Cath got on base more. Yeah. Uh, by about uh, 25 points. Well, the ISO was a 30 points higher for Varus. So I joked early on in the season, if you just combine them, they'd be a great prospect. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And it kind of stayed the same throughout. Um, Even when uh, Varus was doing really well down the stretch, uh, showing a bit more pop in uh, August and September, um, he wasn't walking as much. So it's kind of, kind of how you have to play that. Um, when he was struggling, he wasn't getting on base at all and was just striking out. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at the end of the season, that all comes out and averages out. He has had a fine enough season at age 19 in Canapolis in his first, you know, full professional year. Yeah. So he's, he's a guy that he's a first baseman. So, you know, kind of... <laughs> putting that in the back of your mind um (laughs) as as you know he's probably going to be brought up pretty slowly even um but um the the bat certainly looks great it's just he needs to uh get on base more um whether the strikeouts become walks um or the strikeouts become homers uh just get on base more yeah yeah the good news for wilford is by the time he's ready for the majors presuming that trajectory holds uh, Andrew Vaughn will just be established. He'll finally learn how to play left field. He just won't even be thinking about first base anymore. Uh, he'll be short uh, or he'll be ready to play right field. So, you know, Wilfred, uh, don't just pack one glove to Arizona next year. Yeah. It speaks a lot to how, you know, sexy the, uh, you know, the, the, the doubles to the wall, the balls over the fence are that I would never have bet you if, if you hadn't just told me about those RC pluses, I would never have bet you they were neck and neck like that. And listen, White Sox, stop preaching this even at the major league level. Walks are you, we, White Sox make the walk sexy. Please, you got to get on base. And you know, there's something to be said. We're overlooking Kathleen. Let's face it, he did not have a good year. And the fact that he still had a positive, a good, you know, RC plus, um, it's shown he has value, which is something Varus doesn't when he's slumping. He's got, I mean, he doesn't have defensive value. No, Kath doesn't either. He's got no value if he's not, uh, if he's not pounding the ball. Kath. Does still, I mean, his worst, even probably in Birmingham, got on base a few times in a way that these other guys treated like, what, you know, what, what is a walk? You know, I got to just get up in there and hack. So, you know, that's an advanced tool that he has. If you want to call it that, um, you know, that, you know, apparently it's hard to teach because there's some guys in the major <laughs> leagues who aren't doing it. Uh, okay, Darren, um, DJ Glad, I mean, now we're getting to some guys who are just sort of like, you know, a little bit more wild card. DJ Gladly, a guy who's reward. Gladney, who was gladly rewarded with a uh, move to um, Project Birmingham and certainly not without merit. Another guy who seems like just, you know, just uh, got some slug in him. Um, He's a guy, man, I'm not really sure what to make of. Uh, You you love him. He's got this sort of quiet personality. You want him to succeed. Uh, What's your read on DJ? Yeah, this was his best um, uh, offensive season of his pro career. Uh, He was taken um, in the draft back in 2019. So he did lose a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of those it, out of high school, mind you. Uh, so he was one of those prospects that lost 2020 that just really struggled for the Sox system in 2021. There's a lot of them. Um, and some still struggled this year, um, whether you can blame it on the pandemic or just they just weren't good enough that I have no idea. Um, but DJ Gladney actually did do in 
well this year compared to last year and improved in some areas. Uh, K rate fell by 10%, but still a very high third, um, striking out a third of the time uh, in plate appearances um, and walked just about uh, 10%. Uh, but when he left uh, Canapolis, he had the most homers on the team with 18, a near 200 ISO. Um, but he, I mean, he, he did play in Birmingham a bit more just because he has more professional experience and he didn't do well at all. Um, but I, I'm not going to put too much into that just because small sample uh, and kind of a weird situation going from low A to double A, um, pr- probably unexpectedly. Um <laughs> We're going to talk about it. <laughs> but um, what I want to see from him is the K rate keep falling and him as he moves up uh, in the system doing well. Um, that's kind of, he's not, he's not a high profile prospect. I know some people were interested in him when he was drafted just because he was so young. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of tools there, mm-hmm. uh, but just move on up, keep doing what you're doing um, and just kind of see where you're at yeah. there. I mean, this, well, there are some other guys in the system that have the bat, but don't have a defensive position. He at least plays in the outfield mm-hmm. um, pretty much every day. He started out at third, um, now is a first baseman and a right fielder. So he's kind of moving all over, mm-hmm. trying to find a spot for him. Um, and that's usually a good sign that they think that he's that he could be something in the yeah. future if you're trying to find a spot for somebody. Yeah. Um, but. He's kind of a wild card until yeah. until proven otherwise. Well, and a local guy too. You always want to root for those guys. You want to see a couple of homegrown type products, uh, ace guys, and that uh, uh, succeed. That'll be a nice feather in a cap for the White Sox. All right, listen, there are other guys to talk to on the offensive side, but I don't want to leave any important guys out. So we're going to take a break. We're going to move over to pitching, and then we'll see what other sort of miscellany we can address before this podcast expires. Uh, Darren, let's take a quick break, come back in a minute and uh, talk uh, pitching side. Hold on with us, everybody. We got some pictures to talk about. Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones. Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast. Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. White Sox fans, it is the Southside Sox on the Farm podcast addressing the Kannapolis Cannonballers. Big, big improvement this year to just 58 and 74. Gosh, next year, that means they'll be like 70 and something. So, man, this is a trajectory. It's happening. Kannapolis, it's happening. It didn't happen immediately the way we thought it would in 2021. But, hey, 2023, it's an odd year. It's okay. Yeah, we'll take that. We just want to see some winning baseball. It's so depressing to see line scores after line scores after line scores of guys with like 200 averages and 530 OPSs. And it just gets depressing. It makes me not want to finish the minor league update. So I can only imagine what it does to you, Darren, who does roughly triple or quadruple the number that I do each season. God bless you for doing that. Okay. Pitchers, there were a number. And again, many of them matriculated to Project Birmingham, a whole nother <laughs> podcast one day. And I guess we'll probably address them a little bit when we talk Birmingham in a couple of days. However, um, let's start with the big guy jump from DSL. It's uh, Nori Vera. Um, did really well in Kannapolis. Yeah, uh, he started uh, later because of a lat injury um, and was kind of injury riddled throughout, and he was already on in 
an extreme innings limit. Mm-hmm. Um, but in his 24 innings with Canapolis, that was basically the best stint that he had, even though he didn't pitch a ton after he was promoted in Winston-Salem and then in Birmingham. Um, but yeah, he looked at looked at as advertised uh, for those eight starts that he had. Strikeouts were 35%. Walks were high. Um, and continued to get higher as the season progressed. He seemed to kind of just lose command. Something must have been up with his windup by the end of end of his uh, 2022 campaign. Um, but obviously, at at some point, Canapolis had the best hitting prospect and pitching prospect, which is which is exciting. Um, now they just have to. I assume Vera is going to start with the dash next year, uh, just because that's kind of seems like where they put you know, prospects that they're really fond of start with the dash because for whatever reason, they seem to just start there. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, we'll see. He didn't pitch a ton. He only got 30 some innings this year um, after 19 last year. So he's kind of behind the eight ball in terms of if you want to see him in the majors right now, it's probably not, well, definitely not next year. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, after that, uh, you just hope that he gets to, I guess a hundred innings would be tripling his innings, yeah. uh, which might not be a good idea. So um, just kind of see where he's at at the end of the year. Hopefully he gets to 80, at least something like that reaches 20 starts, something like that. Um, but um, yeah, injuries kind of hit him hard this year and then command by the end of the year really uh, sucked in his playing. Yeah. Darren, if we're having the same discussion uh, a year from now and believe me to some degree, we will because we'll probably be talking about a disappointing Canapolis team, but all right, let's just put a pin in that. Um, we're talking about a guy who still couldn't really get some real starters, starters innings under him a year from now. If we're talking same situation with bear, are we talking about a guy who we're starting to look uh, at a move to a bull, to the bullpen? Um, well, I mean, they, the Sox, uh, literally did that with Jimmy Lambert this year. He just kept getting hurt and hurt and hurt and not getting innings. And they were like, uh, we don't have pitchers. <laughs> you our hand. We need, we need someone, <laughs> Jimmy, you're a highly rated prospect. Right. Please help us. Yeah. And he did. Yeah, um, he did. Yeah. And he has been. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, they put, they put a lot of money in him, uh, and, he definitely has the tools to be a really solid starter. Um, he's just been injured too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if maybe he, maybe he starts a little bit later next year, just stays uh, in spring training a bit longer, maybe skips a couple starts like that. Uh, they play around with him during the all-star breaks of the very, whatever team he's on at that point next year just to kind of put him maybe at nine days rest, something like that. Um, That's kind of what you're going to hope for. You just hope that he at least doubles his innings, which is not a ton. No. Uh, But if you're getting to 60, 70, and maybe pushing 80, uh, and then the year after that he starts in double A, and then you get to – um, you get to 80 again, and then you're like, oh, it's August. We need another starter for the White Sox. Then then you bring him up. But he is – his timetable is behind what yeah. you would have expected. Um, but 
Yeah. You can't, you can't they, they need to be careful with a, with a young guy yeah. uh, that hasn't really pitched much yeah. uh, in general, even before he became a White Sox. Yeah. Bear has got to roll out of bed, uh, fall out of bed next year, throwing 70, 80. Otherwise, yeah, you got to look at some other career trajectory for him. But that's just me, the non-expert mouthing off. Okay. Speaking of non-expert mouthing off, let's talk about a guy who's sort of surprised. You always like that, the surprise and the intrigue, especially in the White Sox system doesn't have an offense. Christian Mena is a guy who was on fire at Kannapolis, moved on and maybe uh, cooled off as is want to happen. Boy, I don't know what future uh, future scholars studying your work for us, Darren, and looking at Lions course saying, okay, they went to Birmingham, then they went back down to Canada. And then I got to know what to make sense. There's not, the White Sox have screwed everything up again podcast for the off season, but Christian Mena, um, really impressive in Kannapolis. Yep. Um, I do expect him to start with the dash next year. Um, and kind of a polar opposite, uh, with Norgay Vera, um, not highly regarded coming into the year. Um, I know some people brought up that he had a really good curveball, and that's kind of what we were all paying attention to. Um, uh, especially when he was doing really well with Kannapolis, um, when he left Kannapolis after 53 and two thirds innings, uh, 268 ERA, uh, K rate just above 30% and a 7% walk rate. Like those are fantastic numbers. And he's was also 19, which is all, all of that is fantastic. And he, by the, he didn't perform as well when he was promoted. Um, that this, I mentioned in the Kannapolis preview that this also happened, or it might have been the Dash preview. I might be mixing up my previews, but he, in uh, last year with the ACL, after he got through, I think, half of his starts, he started uh, losing a bit command by the end, uh, and he, his ERA plummeted or rose. Um, so kind of kind of same difference here. He doubled his innings, more than doubled his innings from 48 and a third last year to over 100 this year. So that's fantastic. Another opposite of Vera. He seems to be more on a, on a starter's project, projector, projection at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, the fastball is still something he needs to work on, um, getting that velocity up. Um, and now, like when we talked about with Colson Montgomery, he has a full season of professional baseball under his belt and he knows exactly what to do in the off season to be prepared, uh, for it next year. Um, so I expect him to be better just purely based on that. See how easy my job is, uh, everyone listening, uh, all I get to do, I just throw names out and then Darren says smart things about them. And I go, uh-huh. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, okay. I don't even know how to really uh, intro this guy. We can't bury the lead too much because he's still a, a real headliner for the White Sox. And it does seem like there are encouraging signs in a way that we did see a little bit with Matthew Thompson and did not necessarily see with Drew Dahlquist, but that's Jared Kelly. It does seem like there was a little bit of a corner turn, but not enough for you to feel really, really relaxed about him yet but it does seem like there's some promise that we saw in 2022. Yeah. I I mean, the walks fell 5%. It's still not where you kind of want him, but um, going into the year, like we all just wanted to see better command and for him to get through a season. Um, He, he, he did miss a couple starts, but he got through it, uh, got uh, 75 innings under his belt, uh, which is good. Um, definitely need to see like 110, maybe not 120 out of them next year, but 100 to 110 next year. Um, and doing the same types of things, um, when he hopefully starts with the dash, dash next year. Um, the problem right now is, is he's not striking out a lot of batters. 
Um, so the walks did go down, um, but the strikeouts kind of stayed the same. Um, and you know, that, that is good to a certain point, but you do want to see, you know, your second round draft choice having a higher K rate than 21% in low A, especially a fire, like a fireballer like him, you expect him to be better, especially, and with the changeup, uh, that he has, he just needs that third pitch. Um, I know that he has been working with the slider. Maybe he just kind of goes back to the drawing board over the off season. It's like, this isn't working for me. I need to maybe try a curveball. Um, or I know a lot of people go to driveline nowadays or those equivalents, wherever they are, um, trying to get extra spin on that. Um, but that's basically, um, what his next step needs to be. Uh, yeah, the definitely needs to cut down on his walks, but if he can get, more spin out of that slider, better command of that slider, more swings and misses, hopefully out of that slider, then that will take care of a lot of a lot of the walks that he's kind of missing right now. And Darren, he's from Nolan Ryan's hometown. Eat more of the it's it's in the chili yeah. recipe there. Eat more of the chili, Jared. It's yeah. gonna it, it's gonna magically transform you. Okay. Uh, a couple guys we want to make sure to get to before we run out of time. Um both very much under the radar and really strung starts together is probably as good as any pitcher in the system. Uh I'm talking about Cole Seamus, who was smoking hot to begin with and then and then uh, you know, then wasn't. And Tommy Summer, who really ended on a strong suit. And he's a guy being like, oh, who wants to talk about him? You know, whatever. But listen, the numbers are there, whether it leads to anything. I mean, at some point, you can't argue with some numbers. You want wins in the system, even though you're not supposed to care about that. And you want good performances in the system. Yeah. So um, Seamus, uh, we'll start with him. Um, he His fastball is faster than Mena's, uh, but Mena has a better uh, curveball, a better just pitch overall. Um, so that's why I think Mana did just in general, just a lot better over the course of the season. He just had that one pitch that just wipes you out. Um, Seamus is just a nice story just because he was an undrafted free agent. I know it's now 20 rounds that they're doing this in, um, but still that's fantastic. Fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he did get hurt, uh, by the time he started yeah. going to the bullpen a bit, he, he's coming off of an injury, um, uh, missed a couple starts there. Um, so I, I don't know how much to put into, you know, after injury, your first full professional season, uh, and then going to Birmingham for a guy that was an undrafted free agent (laughs) the year prior, (laughs) kind of seems a little unfair for him. Um, but I, I expect big things from him next year. I hope it's still out of the rotation and that this, um, that this move to the pen was more of just a way to limit his innings after injury and, um, and just, you know, the fact that it's his first pro year. Um, but yeah, he, he looked great. Um, and I, it's going to be great seeing these three Kelly, uh, CMS and Mena start with dash next year. And hopefully they all move up quickly because they did well with the Birmingham Bears. Yeah, Cole, obviously um, I'm a, I'm a dietary expert, so I'm going to just advise, keep eating whatever it is your dad was eating. Uh, you know, you'll make the majors. Just, just keep it up. It's all apparently <laughs> yeah. it's all about the food. Okay, uh, Tommy Summer. Um, again, easy to overlook, uh, Darren. But uh, maybe he's not a guy we should overlook. Yeah. Uh, well, I, that, that's the beauty of this. We have no <laughs> idea. He's doing really, really well, but he doesn't have the kind of the skills, yeah. uh, or not not really skills, but kind of the pitching markup that you would expect, like a CMS and a Mania that the guys that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, all he does is just 
get out. Um, <laughs> he wasn't a part of Project Birmingham, which maybe that you know probably tells you what the White Sox think of him. Um, but all he did was just have a 270 ERA and A ball between Kannapolis and High A. Um, one of the things as we move up in the system, we'll see is that there's just a real lack of starting pitching. And when we'll get to Charlotte, it'll like <laughs> yeah. it, it hurts. That'll be the whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, but um, so even if he's not a guy that makes the majors or anything like that, I know we. I certainly never expected Tanner Banks to make the majors and actually be productive. Um, so maybe that's what you think of a Tommy Summer, but at the very least, this kind of pitcher will be in the system as a guy that just is takes the ball every fifth day um, and just goes out, pitches, and does well, goes and gets the quality starts no one else is getting. Um, and you just kind of take it from there. And if he keeps on doing it enough, then then maybe you see him in the majors someday. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he was a very low bonus pool guy, basically undrafted um, 10th round selection to keep everything else under the bonus. Yeah. Um, so you kind of get a read of what the Sox feel about him, but he is seemingly intent on proving everything about mm-hmm. him from the draft wrong. Yeah. Um, and he, strikeouts looked good. He, he's always been a low walk pitcher. Guys really struggle getting hits off of him. Um, lots, lots of grounders uh, in in Canapolis, Not as many in uh, with with the dash to end his career or end his year. But he was, you know, kind of not getting as or he wasn't uh, overall it, with the dash. He was missing missing more bats just in general. Yeah. Uh, a year uh, batting average against under two hundred. Like that's amazing. Um, yeah. I maybe he starts in Birmingham next year. I could definitely see that it'd be his age 24 season. The age fits. And if he does well there, then I don't know. <laughs> the, the Sox don't have a, a ton of um, pitching depth after there's opportunity um, after, you know, after a Martin and a Burke, yeah. um, Jason Billhouse hasn't been doing as well as we thought, but there's Tommy summer just, not allowing more than three runs every nine innings through his, you know, first 150 professional innings. Yeah. Uh, there were, there were uh, guys that uh, maybe weren't headliners that I thought we might have time to get to. We're probably not get to, uh, we're not going to get to all of them. Is there, is there one guy good or bad that we need to make sure we address in this podcast or else you're going to be mad at me and send me a message later on and say, what'd you do? Well, I mean, I think uh, Colby Smelly might be just another guy. Um, he, he, is uh, one of the multiple Sox prospects that seem to have a good bat, but are just DHs. Um, and he had a 123 WRC plus. Um, he's supposed to be a catcher, but he's a DH. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's basically just if the bat is like your mean Mercedes uh, was uh, during his minor league career, then maybe you'll see him for a month. Um, but other than that, it's the rest of the draft picks, mm-hmm. and um, there's not much to gleam from a month of, you know, yeah. Jordan's sprinkle. Yeah. <laughs> Kinapolis time. Yeah. yeah. Promising, but hey, that's good. You know, maybe just highlight the guy instead of just say, okay, well, let's see what happens in, in 2023. Um, yes. Colby Smelly from the, uh, your mean Mercedes school and the Tyler Osick school. Boy, White Sox got a few of those guys. They got a few of those guys. Oh, well. Uh, okay. Listen, um, you know, these are going to keep coming fast and furious. We will have a, um, a Winston-Salem Dash uh, podcast accompanying uh, Darren's wrap-up, write-up, 
um, on them um, tomorrow. So look for that, and we'll just keep them coming at you until we run out of teams, until we come, until we run out of disappointing Chicago White Sox affiliate teams <laughs> to talk about, Darren. This is fun to do every year. We can say, oh, my God, the record was what? Uh, anyway, uh, Winston-Salem Dash, mm, well, you know, that's coming. Uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, listening, keeping up with uh, all these guys. Hopefully we uh, in, in illuminated you a little bit, or all, we, Darren did, and I nodded. Uh, at the right times or shook my head at the right times. Anyhow, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for even sometimes watching and reading. Uh, we'll be back with more on the farm uh, season ending wrap ups uh, throughout the rest of the week. Uh, we got more to come. And so, you know, sit back, be ready for them. <laughs>